Merry Christmas. Wow, you guys answered that like you knew exactly what it meant. You know, I am a geek when it comes to words. I like knowing what a word means because words have meaning. And when we use them, when we say them, we should be expressing that meaning behind that word. And being a geek, I was really surprised. <laughs> I had really never looked into that phrase, those two words, Merry Christmas. I had not looked into the root origins and where did we get Christmas, right? I mean, we know what it's about. We know what we're trying to express. We're trying to say, you know, it's the time of year. We're wishing you uh, a wonderful greeting, right? Well, that wasn't sufficient enough for me this, this week. So I, I, I looked into it and I knew what Christ meant. Christ, we get that, that word Christ from Christos. It's a Greek word. You're like, oh my goodness, this is going to be a Greek study? No, but this is exciting, okay? It's a Greek word that was formed from the Hebrew word Mashiach, which means anointed, anointed one. And, and it came in when they translated it into Greek, Christos. Christ. See, Jesus Christ is not his last name. Jesus, Messiah. It is a declaration of who he is. And then we had must. Christ must. I'm like, I am clueless about what must means. And, and really, it's a Latin origin. It was the last part of the service, of a mass service, and, and it was the the sending or having been been sent so christ the messiah has been sent and i'm like well what about mary and not not mary the mother but mary it simply means to give a pleasurable declaration of something to express joy so when you and i say Merry Christmas, we're saying it is a pleasure to declare to you that the Messiah has been sent. Huh! Isn't that cool? I mean, so when you say Merry Christmas this, this next week, because odds are you probably will, understand what you are saying. You are making a bold declaration that the Messiah, the one that had been promised from long ago, has been sent. Isn't that a cool declaration? And people say it right back to you, and you're like, you have no clue what you're saying. <laughs> I mean, really, they don't. How many of you had a clue what you were saying? Eh, maybe a little, okay. Yeah, I know, this, I was excited. I'm like, man, I got to share this. So I just did, okay? Today, next Sunday, and, and next Sunday evening, as we celebrate the Messiah being sent, I, I want to invite you into an invitation that has been given in God's Word to celebrate the Messiah sent. You know, we, we get a lot of cards and different invitations and so forth, so I thought I'd make one up, but I'll show it up here, right? So, you get an invitation... 
And there's several things on it that, that you're invited to. By the way, it's a boy. Surprise. Okay? You get an invitation, and it, it tells you the time. That's helpful, right? And then it tells you the place. That's really helpful, too. And then the, the event. And over the next three times together, we're going to look at those three different things as we consider God inviting us to be a part of His Son's coming. The Messiah being sent. Christmas. And, and I'm, I'm really excited because, you know, the invitation is right here. You're like, whoa, that's a lot. I know. We're going to condense it into three messages, okay? But think about what God has, has said. He's invited all of us. John 3.16, for God so loved the world. That's a big invitation. And when you consider what, what Peter says in 2 Peter, that, that God desires that none should perish, but that all would come to a full repentance, this is an invitation for all people. And just so you know, this celebration... This invitation is not a surprise invitation. It's not a surprise party. First of all, you and I know about it. Secondly, well, God knew about it too. Jesus knew what He was going to do, what He came to do. So the invitation is not a surprise. But we're invited to partake. The sad truth is that what we've done with that invitation is gone, well, well, that's, that's nice, well, all right. And we toss it. We discard what God has invited us to be a part of. There is a gift that is given, but it's rejected by many. I want us to consider the gift that was given. And today as we, we look at that invitation, I want us to consider the time. It was the right time. The right time. So as we consider to declare as we leave here today, this week, this season, Merry Christmas, let's consider the right time. Romans says, and I love what, what Paul writes in Romans about the time. In Romans 5, verse 6, it says this, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. You're like, hmm. We're talking about his death. Well, he had to come to die, didn't he? Consider what Galatians says. Galatians chapter 4. But when the fullness of time came, 
God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. At the right time. Think about what that entails. The right time. You and I didn't deserve his coming, by the way. It says we were helpless. We didn't deserve it, but we needed it. We needed Him to come. And, and I love that it's in our passage today as we look at Luke chapter 1. By the way, that is a really, really long chapter. It's longer than some of the books we've been looking at. But in that chapter, we see God preparing. Let's look at that narrative. Turn with me to the chapter 1 of Luke. And we're not going to read the whole chapter. We're going to read a lot of it, but not the whole chapter. And we're looking at the narrative of Zacharias. Not Jesus yet. But this had to happen. Zacharias, join with me in verse 5. It says, In those days, in the days of Herod the king of Judea, there was a priest named Zacharias. Of the division of Abijah and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth they were both righteous in the sight of God let me pause right there we could read over that so quick righteous in the sight of God it means we have a God that's watching have you ever thought about that we have a God that's watching. And he was watching this couple. They were both righteous in the sight of God, walking blamelessly, not perfectly, blamelessly in all commandments and requirements of the Lord. But they had no, children, no child because Elizabeth was barren and they were both advanced in years. That's a really nice way of saying they were very old. Now, it happened that while he was performing his priestly service before God in the appointed order of his division, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And the whole multitude of the people were in prayer outside in the hour of the incense offering. And an angel of the Lord appeared. Appeared to him standing to the right of the altar when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. We'll pause there. We're going to be looking at this couple He's a priest serving God in the temple. This opportunity to go in and offer the sacrifice of, of incense was probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And we're going to watch God do a miracle. It's always exciting to watch God do something, isn't it? We're going to see that this morning. And in the end, we're going to see this priest 
prophesy about what God is going to do in the days ahead. But before we do, we're going to rewind 400 years back to the prophets. You're like, oh, prophets again. Jed, can you not get away from them? Not today. No, in fact, it was the prophet Malachi. Malachi would be one who would come and address the people about their violations of the covenant. He would address laws concerning sacrifice, divorce, and tithes. But he would also talk about and prophesy of the messenger who would come and declare the coming of the Messiah. Isn't that cool? Malachi would do that. 400 years, no prophets, no writings, no declarations, no visits from angels. You might start to think you're forgotten, wouldn't you? Feelings of being forgotten as a nation. Is God working? Is He doing anything? 400 years. Generation after generation. Zacharias, a priest, as he goes in, wondering, is God even going to speak again? Will we hear from Him again? Excuse me. But he faithfully serves God, declaring the truth of his word over and over. Elizabeth might have felt forgotten. God, I serve you faithfully, and yet you give me a barren womb. No child. Truth is, they were not forgotten. In fact, God was doing a lot in Malachi 3.1, look what Malachi says. Behold, I am going to send my messenger, and he will clear the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, and the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. Malachi, the last prophet, declares he's coming and God is preparing the way. We looked at Daniel. Remember what Daniel declared? He said everything that God would be doing. He declared in detail what Alexander the Great would do. Alexander the Great would change the world and, and language forever. In fact, it's he that brought Greek to the world. Now the world would speak all Greek. Like, well, that's not very good. Well, God had a plan. Because eventually Rome would defeat Greece. Rome would come in and, and rule the world. And Rome had this great idea, let's build roads. And the roads connected all the cities and towns and villages. Like, what does this have to do with the coming of Jesus? Well, when Christ came, the message went out in a language everybody knew. It went to every village, town, city, faster than it ever could because of these roads. 
God had not forgotten. In fact, on the contrary, God had remembered His promise and was fulfilling His promise. His promise goes all the way back to Genesis. No, we're not going to read through Genesis. But in Genesis 1.1 it says, In the beginning, God. And God began to do an amazing work. He started unfolding His plan. God knew the time that He was going to step into humanity. How many of you, that brings comfort today? That He would know that precise time. It comforts me. Because I look at my sin... And I see God send His Son, and I'm like, did you really plan that? Well, I think so, because in verses 3 and three through 5, God creates something called time. Knowing the exact time that He would step into His creation. In verses 14 through 19, we see that God creates sun, the moon, the stars. That there would be a star one day that would lead the wise men to that babe where they would extend their gifts to a king. The stars, the sun, the moon one day would align perfectly in order to bring about an eclipse that would mark the sorrow of creation as its Savior, its Creator, died on the cross. We can send satellites to other planets with precision because our galaxy works like clockwork. God, when He put creation into orbit, He knew the exact moment. That's a plan. In verses 9-13, through 13, He created vegetation. Knowing one day there would be a tree that would sprout another tree that would grow, be chopped down, created into lumber that He would hang on. Yes, our God had a plan. He reveals that plan to to Adam and Eve, and when they enter into sin by disobeying God. And in chapter 3, God says, the seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent one day. But He would come to do that in person. In chapter 12, God gives a promise to Abraham, through your seed, Abraham, through one of your descendants, will come one that will bring blessing to all man. We see at the very end in Genesis 49, as God, as God is, is revealing His plan more and more, it says the... Sh I'll get that word. I'm learning to talk again with teeth here. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. From Abraham to Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet until Shiloh comes. Shiloh would be that term one day that would, would 
morph into the Messiah. It would be the one who was promised and he to him shall be the obedience of the people. One day there would be a ruler that comes. We fast forward in the tribe of Judah in 2 Samuel 7.16. Look at what it says. Your house, speaking to David, King David. Wait a minute, he's a king? Yeah, he's from Judah. He's a king. He says, from your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Your throne shall be established forever. How does that happen? No throne is established forever. No king goes on forever unless that king is the Son of God. The Anointed One. The Messiah. The prophets would declare it over and over. Moses would declare Isaiah, Daniel, Malachi, Micah, Zephaniah. The psalmist would, would sing their praises and declare the Messiah is coming. Jeremiah, Hosea, all of them would declare there is one who is coming and God revealed His plan more and more. He's like, this is not going to be a surprise party. But it's going to be a celebration. And he was inviting all to join. So much so, he didn't want it to be a surprise. So much so that he would send one to be a forerunner. One who would declare, He's come! Don't miss it! I get excited about this. You know, we need to take God at His word. When God gives a promise, we need to take Him at His word. But so often, like so many had, yeah, 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 God said He's coming. Yeah, yeah, I know, there's a, there's a king coming one day. Really doesn't look like it. Looking around. Rome is kind of taken over. Herod, he's not even a real king. He's a puppet. Oh, puppets in government. How annoying. And then, God does something. Actually, He just keeps His word. Zechariah. Zechariah is going to hear what they had waited for so long. He goes in on behalf of the people. He's terrified with what he sees. You know, we could look around right now in our world and be terrified. And for some of you, it does bring fear. Concern, it should bring. Fear, no. When God is working, we don't fear. The angel is there. It is terrifying. But listen to what it, the angel says. Verse 13, I love this. Every time God sends a message and, and we're scared, God says, fear not. Look at verse 13. 
I'm trying to find it so you find it too. Here we go. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you will give him the name John. Not Zacharias Jr. Not the son of Zacharias. You're going to call him John. You will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. And I lost my place. There it is. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn many, oh, many of the sons of Israel back to the Lord their God. It is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the Spirit and power of Elijah. <gasps> Micah talked about that too. We'll get there in my, when we uh, uh, go through uh, Malachi. But he will come in the spirit of the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers back to the children and the disobedient to the attitude of the righteous so as to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. How cool is that? I don't think Zacharias went in that day to pray for a child. I know he and his wife probably had been praying for years, but he's old. I don't think he was in there praying for a child, but he was in there praying on behalf of Israel, maybe praying about feeling forgotten, maybe about the oppression that they were feeling under the Romans. Whatever it was, God heard, and God said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to work. Oh, by the way, Zechariah, your son, yeah, I'm going to use him to fulfill the prophecy in Malachi. What? How cool would that be? Um, this man had studied and looked at Malachi, wondering when will this happen? And the angel says, this is going to be your son. He's going to prepare the way for the promised Messiah. I mean, as a dad, that would be really cool. To know that from birth, God was going to use your son the whole his whole entire life for such a grand purpose. The time was now. The Messiah was coming. What God says will happen. How many of you have heard a message before on what God is doing and you missed the point? Oh, I sure have. In fact, that message causes you to really focus more on the problem of that message than the promise. That's what Zacharias does here. He looks at the problem versus the promise that God has given. 
a wrong focus. And he doubts. He doubts God. He says, God, we're old. How is this going to happen? How are you going to do this? Look at what he says in verse 18. Oh my goodness, Zacharias, this is an angel in front of you. How many, if an angel said something to you, you would doubt it? Oh, don't lie, you probably would. Mary was like, what? How? Joseph's like, really? Zacharias is like, I'm uh, not so sure about that. Daniel, the great prophet Daniel, even was like, how? Zacharias said to the angel, how will I know this for certain? For I'm, a, I'm an old man and my wife, well, she's advanced in years. Good for Zacharias. He didn't say she's an old woman. That's good. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel, who stands in the presence of God. And I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you the good news. Wait a minute, I'm giving you good news here. I'm Gabriel. Behold, you shall be silent and unable to speak until the day when these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their proper time. several lessons here first of all be careful when you ask God to prove it he has a way of doing that this was good news the news that Zacharias received was not to create a problem for him but to declare that God was solving man's problem And he missed it. We're so good at creating problems, aren't we? God had set his timetable. And he's never late. Mark that, church. Because some of us look at God's timetable and we're like, Oh God, when are you going to do something? God's never late. But God does deserve the praise. His name is going to be John. Zacharias declares this to the people when, when they're going and they're trying to name the, the baby boy that's been born. Oh, by the way, yeah, his wife did get pregnant. Yeah, she gave birth to a son. And the crowds are like, should we name him Zacharias Jr.? He writes down, no. His name will be John. We know him as John the Baptizer, John the Baptist. Imagine being the crowds. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're getting a son in your old age and you're not going to 
You don't want Him to carry on your name? No. No, this baby boy is going to carry something much greater. He is going to carry the message that the Messiah has come. It is time to repent, nation. It is time to repent, people. The Messiah is at hand. He's here. It's time. Celebrate. You know, the people were confused. Jump over to verse 65. I told you, it's a long chapter. 65. Good gravy. Here we are. Verse 65. The people struggle with his declaration there. They say, Fear came on all those living around them. And all these matters were being talked about in all the hill country of Judea. All who heard them kept them in mind, saying, What then will this child turn out to be? For the Lord, the hand of the Lord was certainly with him. What's going on? We see this. What's going on? You know, they had the invitation. They just weren't reading it. They set it aside. This is a dark time in Israel. I appreciate that Zechariah gets his voice back. And when he does, he answers them. He answers them. Listen to what he says. And his father, Zacharias, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed be to the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited us and accomplished redemption for his people. Redemption is coming. He's done it. And has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of David his servant. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. See, the prophets are beneficial. Zacharias even went back to them. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. To show mercy toward our fathers and to remember the holy covenant. The oath which he swore to Abraham our father to grant us that we, being rescued from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. Oh, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways to give to his people the knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins because of the tender mercy of our God with which the sunrise 
from on high will visit us to shine upon those who sit in darkness in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. He quoted multiple prophets there, by the way. Everywhere you saw in capital letters up there on the screen, he's reciting from the prophets. He says, He's come. He's come. I've titled this short series, Merry Christmas. Who knew? I'll tell you who knew. The prophets who had declared it from long ago knew the Messiah was coming. If they had read it, they would have known. Zacharias, all the people that heard him declare it, knew the Messiah was at hand. Think about that. He's up in the hill country just outside of Jerusalem. Man, they're abuzz with it. The Messiah's coming. I mean, his son John is the forerunner. He's preparing the way. He has crowds following him later on, we see. And he's declaring the Messiah is coming. He even looks when Jesus comes and says, Behold! Look! Pay attention! The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. And he points at Jesus. That's John. Imagine the priest in Zacharias' circles. As Zacharias shares the visit from the angel, as he shares the message that his son is going to be the one to lead the way for the coming Messiah. And those priests had an opportunity to declare that message too. Think about Mary and Joseph. I, I, I appreciate that we read some of those passages earlier. But their family, those people in Nazareth, they heard, they knew. We know the shepherds knew. I mean, a whole host of angels came to them. And then the shepherds take that news and they go to Bethlehem and they spread it all over town. You're like, they did? Yeah, it's that last part there where they leave and they start telling everybody and everybody's like, what does that mean? What does it mean? God has kept His Word. Simeon and Anna, they're in the temple and God says to Simeon, Simeon, you're not going to die till you lay eyes on my Messiah. <gasps> I guarantee Simeon and Anna were not keeping that quiet. Everybody who would come to the temple, redemption is at hand. It is at hand for all. He's come. This is not a surprise party. How would you respond? Luke is sharing all of this information at the beginning of his gospel. Then he fast forwards 30 years. People forgot the excitement of Christmas, the coming Messiah. It no longer held the excitement. John, oh, he's that, that crazy prophet out there wearing camel's hair, eating weird things, saying, repent, the Messiah is coming. 
For some, it would just be a story that happened 30 years prior. Oh, I remember that old priest talking about that. Israel had been made aware, but life went on. We're made aware in messages like this, and then Monday comes tomorrow. The busyness of everything that comes this time of year, it goes on. The people in Israel were like, come on, give us something fresh. Give us something new and amazing. You know that baby in the manger? That's old news. We want something new. We're guilty of the same thing, aren't we? We want it to be fresh. We want it to be amazing. And I'll confess that I come sometimes to a Christmas message and I'm like, they know this. In fact, this is the time of year that the, the two first come. You know, those that come twice a year? Christmas and Easter? I mean, they're going to get the same message. How do I go and, and, and make this fresh and exciting? Well, I'm sorry if God coming and stepping into time, stepping into humanity to save us from our sin is not amazing enough for you. I'm not going to make it more amazing. It's not going to happen. It may be old news. It may be 2,000 years ago. But the news is just as exciting. And God prepared it for all people. The invitation is to all people. So I close this service with a simple message. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It is my pleasure. It is my joy to declare to you the Messiah has come. And He wants a relationship with you. I love the song that we get to close with. And I'm going to ask Mark and Julia to come up as, as we sing this together. It's a beautiful song declaring the Messiah has come. Mark? Mark?